It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. On your Saturday episode of Locked on Raptors, Scotty Barnes' three-point shooting barrage cannot save Toronto in a loss to the shorthanded Boston Celtics as the Yaka Purtle problem comes into closer view. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Saturday, December the 30th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's not so good anymore, at Woodley, Sean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors on Instagram, and of course, you can join us over in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we'd love to see you join our little Lockdown Raptors listener family over there. Of course, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe to, rate, review, etc., etc. It's always appreciated when you do that. And of course, we are on YouTube as well. You can watch the video version of the show each and every day. Subscribe to the channel, hit the little notification bell, and you will never miss an episode when it goes live uh today's show is brought to you by our pals over at prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code all lowercase locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. all right on today's show breaking down a narrow loss to the boston celtics 120 118 on saturday friday what the hell day is it i don't even know friday night i think uh of course a loss to a Celtics team that was without Jason Tatum, without Chris Dapps Porzingis, without Al Horford. You think, hey, maybe there's a shot here. Maybe there's a puncher's chance. Nope. 
as the same issues that have dogged the Raptors for uh, quite a while now reared their ugly head once again, most notably the defense, and in particular the defense of their starting center. We'll get into that off the top. We've got Scotty Barnes' appreciation to do, of course. He had himself an incredible three-point shooting night, adding to an incredible three-point shooting season. We'll dig into that a little bit. we got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up, but let's begin with the Jakob Pertl problem, shall we? This is uh, it's tough, man. The Raptors' defense is just not getting it done right now. And there are a lot of reasons why, right? It's not only Jakob Pertl. We've talked about the point of attack defense not being nearly good enough from the guards, Dennis Schroeder, Gary Trent Jr., etc. You know, Malachi Flynn, when he's played, it's been like hot, hot knife through butter when the Raptors guards have been trying to stop dudes at the point of attack. We've seen OG Ananobi take a step back. He is no longer playing like a top 10 defender in basketball. He's still an above average defender, but all of the catch-all metrics and all of that suggest He's not been as impactful. He's, you know, you know, top 100 defender level as opposed to top 10, which is not good enough for what this team needs. We've seen Pascal Siakam, you know, blow buys here and there, some, some tricky stuff. I don't think Siakam's necessarily been all that bad defensively. He's also not been all that notable either. We've seen Scotty Barnes, very good at the rim and sort of as a low man, not so good when he has to go track guys out on the perimeter. Maybe an issue that we're seeing with this new starting five kind of rear its ugly head a little bit more. And then, of course, Jakob Pertl is there as well. Again, it's not all on him. The scheme is not there. Lots of guys not performing very well. But right now, Jakob Pertl does feel kind of like the weak link. And this game against the Celtics, I think, really amplified that. This just was not a very good Jakob Pertl game. You got Luke Cornett working Pirtle as the opposing starting center in this one, thrust into starter duty with no Chris Stapps or Al Horford available. He goes for 28 and three on nine of 11 shooting and just so, so many unaccounted for baseline cuts into space for easy buckets, really tough stuff. And a lot of that goes to the struggles that Jakob Pirtle has guarding against more perimeter oriented big men. And I think just kind of speaks to, the matchup dependence that Jakob Pertl seems to really kind of have as part of the fabric of his game. And I think right now, Jakob Pertl looks way more matchup dependent than I think anybody banked on, right? I, I think we're seeing it right now. There are just lots of games where Jakob Pertl is not necessarily their best look for a team that has been just dying for center play for much of the last three seasons. Jakob Pertl's not offering it in the way that he did last year after the trade, the way he even did at the start of this season, where I think his defense was much better for the first three or four weeks of the season, at least. It's really kind of fallen off a cliff, and it's kind of baffling. I don't really totally get it. Again, I think scheme is part of it. I, I think Jakob Pertl is traditionally the type of defender where if you're kind of driving at him with only one avenue to navigate, it's you're driving at Jakob Pertl, you're trying to score over Jakob Pertl, He's going to be pretty good at stopping that. He's just like, he's a pretty good last line of defense guy when there's not a whole lot in terms of multiplicitous actions or threats moving towards the rim. And I think the Raptors last season really kind of helped funnel guys towards Jakob Pertl with the way they played defense. Obviously, you know, they had a whole bunch of help. There were extra bodies, taggers, all that type of stuff, kind of keeping the sort of the offense honest, if you will. And really kind of focusing things in on sending stuff towards Jakob Pertl where he could make that last line stop. This year, there's less help. This year, there's a lot more in terms of blow buys that we're seeing, both by OG and Anobi, you know, guys getting by Scotty Barnes on the perimeter, guys getting by the guards, all of it. 
and there's not as much help coming down. You're not having the iron fists of Fred Van Vliet digging down to help prevent drives getting all the way to the rim. And you're seeing breakdowns on the back line. And so we're seeing a lot of Yaka Pirtle trying to sort of navigate the in-between and multitask defensively, you know, keep his mind on a couple things at once. And he's just not been very good at that. And maybe that's just not a thing he's very good at. It's tough. I, you know, I think there was always an element of thinking there's going to be some matchup dependence with Yaka Pirtle. But I think most of it was on the offensive end, right? This is a guy who doesn't offer a ton of space, really only shoots inside eight feet, which is fine. He's very good at it, but doesn't offer a ton of space. We've talked about the cramped spacing issues in the front court with him and Pascal and Scotty. Less prominent this year as Scotty's become a ridiculous shooter, which we're going to talk about a little bit coming up. Um, but it, it's still that that's where you would think the matchup issues would come with Jakob Pertl. And in turn, having to take him out for offense reasons would probably have like a negative effect on the defense. It's just kind of not been the case this year. His offense has been fine. Last night against the Celtics, his offense was fine. He had a couple missed bunnies here and there. But I thought the Raptors got a lot of pretty good stuff out of their pick and roll actions, especially with the starters. Um, you know, the Scotty Yock pick and roll, that seems to, you know, create some pretty good stuff, especially when you have Gary Trent Jr. out there, in addition to OG spacing around it. They're getting good looks. And the offense has not been the problem for the new starters. It should be said, you know, in 64 possessions together, they have 117.2 offensive rating. Perfectly fine. Pretty effective. You'll take that all day. It's the defense that's been a total nightmare. 133.3 defensive rating for the new starters. It's really bad. And like I said, it's all kind of coming into focus now that as much as Dennis Schroeder has not been great and has been, I think, a weak link, you know, at times himself this year. It seems as though everything's pointing towards the weak link in the chain right now being Jakob Pertl. The on-court impact numbers with him on or off, pretty startling. The Raptors are a positive team in the month of December when Jakob Pertl sits. This is a team that's 3-9 and nine in the month of December and has been really, really bad for the most part. That's a problem. That's not great. The big three, Siakam Barnes OG with no Jakob Pertl on the floor this season plus 30.7 net rating in 249 possessions. They're absolutely waxing teams with those three on the floor and no Yaka Pirtle. Those three with no Yaka Pirtle with Dennis Schroeder in there, 216 possessions, a lion's share of those possessions uh, that they've had with no Yak on the floor, a plus 28.1 net rating. Dennis works in that lineup, and it makes sense, right? Dennis, his whole career, when he's been surrounded by space, it works. He he can make enough happen, and he's also being asked to kind of work off ball in those lineups a little bit more and be a catch-and-shoot guy, which he's done quite well. So it makes sense those lineups have been okay. The big three with Yaga Pirtle on the floor, 857 possessions, a minus 5.6 net rating. This is the common denominator, is Yaka Pirtle is part of a lot of the worst Raptors groups, and it's tough. Like, I... I this, things would be a little easier, right? If the Raptors had, say, Christian Coloco available and healthy. Not having him is a crushing blow right now because they don't have another large guy to throw out there as a real backup center option. Precious Achua's had his moments. He's also out of the rotation right now, which I don't know if I totally agree with, but um, he's also not really a traditional center and doesn't you know, affect in terms of rim deterrence and things like that. He can stop shots at the rim and contest just fine, but he's also going to make his fair share of mistakes. And all of that, we know he's not really a, a sort of polished up center. If you had Christian Coloco available right now, you could uh, withstand the matchup dependence of Jakob Pertl a little more because you could just kind of slot Coloco in there. And as raw as he is, 
He was a walking 90 defensive rating when he stepped on the floor last season. He was incredible at just uplifting the floor of the defense and not having him available leaves them needing Yaka Pertle to be really good defensively. And he's not, just not been that. Um, it does remind me a lot of some of the dark periods of Jonas Valanciunas with Toronto, where clearly he did some good stuff on the offensive end. Very different offensive players, of course. Jonas was this sort of bruising post-up guy. Yak is more of a pick-and-roll dive man type and a little bit of an extra playmaker from the elbows and all of that. But they both offer good things to the offense that breathe life into the offense. It's the defensive deficiencies that kept Jonas Valanciunas off the floor in big games in the playoffs and, and you know, down the stretch of, of, of important regular season games. And I think that's what we're seeing with Jakob Pertle now, too. And it maybe it's a, a misjudgment by the front office of, hey, this guy can be a 28 to 32 minute a night center. Maybe it's just that Jakob Pertle's had a bit of a drop off. Maybe the scheme and the context of the team are also bleeding into his effectiveness, but it's undeniable right now that the guy who is damaging the Raptors hopes the most at the moment is Jakob Pertl. And it sucks. I love Jakob Pertl. I'm rooting for the dude. He's a fun type of player, a big man who does cool passes, a plus for me. But right now it's just uh, the, the defense, it's falling apart and he's not offering real sort of tangible deterrence at the rim you know teams are shooting like 57 percent at the rim against him which is fine it's like league average ish or less slightly better it's not terrible but it's not you know real anchor starting center level stuff and, and all of this you know it he makes 20 million bucks it's still not the end of the world he's still a useful player there are ways to use him but right now with the way this team is set up with all of its many conundrums hanging over top of them the Yaka Pertle thing is now kind of rising to the top of those many conundrums. What do you do here? Can you move him at the deadline and sort of get out of this and find, even if it's a lesser return in terms of raw talent, just find a different mix of guys? Um, can you find a way to reorient your own roster in a way that amplifies Yaka Pertle more? Can you change the scheme to benefit him a little bit more? It's tough. I don't know the answers right now, but the Raptor, Raptors got to find some if they want this Yaka Pertle thing to not snowball into an unmitigated disaster i don't think we're there yet i'm not saying you know this guy's a useless albatross dude who can't play he clearly can he clearly helps the offense when he's out there with his finishing with his rolling and all of that but right now the defense from yaka Pertle, the thing he was supposed to really bring kind of as a reliable set your watch type of defender it's not been there and in this game against the celtics just just way too many examples of it not working and of course he didn't play down the stretch because he could not hold up at the rim, stopping the parade of layups. The, the Celtics were really kind of rolling out there. Parade of layups and then drives to the paint for kicks and threes. The Celtics way. Yaka Pertle not cut out for this matchup really at all. And, and it's a shame to see him get worked by Luke Cornett of all dudes. Just, uh, just really tough stuff. I wish the Raptors had the Celtics level of center depth. That would be very cool. Come back soon, Christian Coloco, et cetera, et cetera. We'll come back on the other side. We'll quit wallowing for a bit and we'll get into Scotty Barnes, who again continues to be the thing that makes us all feel warm and nice inside. Even after these bad losses, even that they're though they're 12 and 19, Scotty Barnes doing the thing. We'll get into that, what it means, all that good stuff coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best way to play daily fantasy sports. You got to check them out right now. It's a super easy site to use. If you've never played daily fantasy, very low barrier for entry. You can just hop on in and make an entry of two to six players from any sport you want under the sun on a given night, whether they will get more or less than their prize picks projection for a given stat category. So, 
For example, the Toronto Raptors play the Detroit Pistons tonight. Of course, the Pistons are not very good. They're also very desperate. Maybe you go and take the more on Cade Cunningham points and the less on, I don't know, Jakob Pertle minutes. Maybe you do that. Uh, either way, you can go and make those entries. If you get all six correct, you can win up to 25 times your money. That is pretty sweet. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you got a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. No one wants to be dealing with injuries when you're playing daily fantasy. Get that, get, get your fix. Get that, get, get that fixed by playing with PrizePix. Go to PrizePix.com slash LockedInNBA. Use the code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match of $200. That's PrizePix.com slash Locked in NBA. Use the code Locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks with Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Okay, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Thanks for hanging. Uh, again, we are doing a weird schedule this week because I missed some time during the week on the holiday, uh, and so we got episode from yesterday. You can go check out talking about the week that was, the starting lineup change, etc. We've got, of course, the uh, episode today, and then we'll have an episode tomorrow breaking down, hopefully not a loss, to the historically bad Detroit Pistons. God, please just win that damn game. Uh, okay, so let's dive into uh, the, the, the sort of the, the obvious good thing from this game, right? Scotty freaking Barnes. The dude is unbelievable, and the three-point leap continues to break my brain. It's baffling how across the board his leap has been in general of course but the way the three-point shot has come along so quickly to the point that like watching the Celtics broadcast of this game like they're talking about like oh he's not a very good three-point shooter he's up big time this year but like he's never been a good shooter like it still has yet to kind of sink in with the league that Scotty Barnes is just this high volume 40% three-point shooter it's incredible so far in the year he's 70 of 177 this guy is going to attempt 453s this season at this rate he's going to hit 153s at this rate that's incredible it's again it's kind of baffling it's unreal that it's happened this way and the raptors just got to be like smiling ear to ear seeing what this what's happening here it's it's unreal at, at some point you know, you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, right? Like, this can't hold up, right? Like, this kind of unprecedented shooting leap. This this just doesn't happen. At some point, we just maybe have to accept that, throw the grains of salt out. This is just who Scotty Barnes is. And the possibilities of this being who Scotty Barnes is, all of the possibilities it opens up are, are really exciting and make all of the team-building questions the Raptors are facing a little easier to navigate. Still very difficult. They're still in a corner. There's no doubt. But what Scotty's doing is kind of ridiculous Uh, 44.2% on 4.6 catch and shoot attempts per game it's crazy Uh, obviously the pull-up is kind of the next thing that's got to come for him to really have the juice especially now that he's playing as the lead guard in the new starting five we'll see how long this new starting five lasts maybe they go with a smaller look with Dennis Schroeder in there for Yak at some point though Dennis looks really good coming off the bench playing with second units all that stuff Closing games in those smaller lineups. I don't, I'm not upset about the usage of Dennis Schroeder the last couple of games by any means. Um, but the defense for the starters with Jakob Pertl in there can't figure it out. Then maybe there's a change to be made there. But right now, um, I, I like what Dennis is doing. But yeah, when it comes to Pat, like Scotty on the ball, the pull-up's got to come. It will probably at some point in some way, shape, or form. He's had some success as a mid-range pull-up guy. He's shooting 41% on two-point pull-up shots this year, which isn't great, but like 
encouraging if not if, if nothing else you know there, there's a little bit of juice there and you know he's only 23 and a half percent right now on his own pull-ups at 1.1 a game that's gonna have to come for him to really kind of hit super duper ceiling mode and all that but right now what he's doing as a very comfortable catch and shoot guy it opens up so much on the floor for the raptors right you can have him work off the ball and be a devastating spot-up guy. I'd like to see him parlay his shooting gravity a little bit more into drives to the rim. And look, the Celtics make that very hard on you. Um, not exactly the game where you're going to get a parade to the rim necessarily. The Raptors um, in this game, you know, didn't they had a good offensive night. They just blitzed the, the, the Celtics when it comes to half-court offensive rating, which is very encouraging to see and continues a trend of the Raptors' offense ticking up. Not surprised that it's ticking up with Scotty Barnes doing what he's doing from three right now. Um, those two things go hand in hand for sure. Um, but yeah, like th th this, it, even on Ignite, where you're not getting to the rim a lot with Scotty Barnes, he has this floor he can tap into because of the three point shooting that's immense. It's incredible. And again, it's only going to be a positive feedback loop as he keeps on doing it for longer and teams realize, oh God, we got to guard this guy and we got to like close out hard on this guy or he's going to bury us with 40% from three, like he's going to end up presenting really difficult to solve problems for defenses if he keeps this up. And he might already be doing that, right? Um, you know, again, the Celtics are a weird team to sort of judge against because they're so well-schooled defensively and they're just immense with defensive talent, perimeter defensive talent, all of that. Um, but man, just uh, it, it's unbelievable what he's doing. And again, I think what Scotty's doing I think it means that he's already too good to entertain stripping this entire thing down, which is a topic of discussion right now. Of course, Michael Grange reporting a couple days ago on sort of the, the state of the Pascal Siakam situation and the Raptors general, you know, need to make decisions before the deadline. And the sort of note in there about the Raptors not wanting to waste the early prime years of Scotty Barnes. I actually think that's pretty sound logic. Frankly, Scotty Barnes is awesome. Right now, all of the catch-all metrics paint him as like a top 15 player or top 20 player at worst in the NBA this year. I saw there was like a, an aggregate collection of all of the catch-all metrics. I can't remember who did this. It might have been Andy Bailey, um, guy who covers the Jazz. I, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. But they're like a catch-all, like a, a ranking of all the catch-alls, sort of an aggregate ranking. Scotty Barnes written it out as the 13th best player across all of the catch-all metrics in the NBA. That's ridiculous. What he's doing is star level stuff and it probably means that he is too good right now to entertain tearing this whole thing down to the studs around him obviously the challenge for this team is figuring out how to properly reassemble the roster around him we've talked about the yaka Pertle problem right now dennis schroeder is not the type of guard i think i would pair with scotty barnes long term someone's got to have a little bit more pull-up juice i think to be a real lead guard on a scotty barnes team um you know obviously the siakam and og of it all they hang over this too. And it feels as though the best way to get enough stuff to then recenter the roster around Scotty and his leap is by trading one of those guys. But maybe it's not. Again, the numbers with those three guys on the floor, unbelievable. The offense is coming along. The the, the just they're crushing teams when it's those three guys and no Yaka Pirtle on the floor. In a perfect world, you keep all three. And you find a way to make it work around them. Maybe they have a creative, you know, card up their sleeve they can pull. I don't see it right now. It's difficult to see. I think in the summertime, it gets a little more realistic because if you convey your pick, which is kind of up in the air at this point, but if you convey your pick, then you have all of your picks to play with going forward. Maybe that's your avenue to getting a guy that you pair with Scotty Barnes and, you know, Pascal and OG going long term. 
There's all sorts of different things here. Lots of different conundrums to sort out again. And the Yaka Pirtle thing kind of hangs over all this as well, making all of this more difficult to figure out because of the money he makes. So it's tough. I, again, I don't begrudge the Raptors for looking at this and saying, Scotty Barnes is awesome. And we don't really want to saddle him with an even more talent bereft roster for years four, five, and six of his career, hoping for lottery luck. He's too good for that right now. He's awesome. And he is doing the types of things on the floor on both ends that can raise a team's floor, can tap into a team's ceiling and establish a ceiling of, you know, a very good contending type team. You know, he's still going to be probably a year or two away from really driving winning at that level. But I think the idea of not saddling him with a really, really nasty roster of second draft prospects and hope guys you hope hit in the draft years down the line, I, I, I don't think the Raptors are wrong to say the perfect world here is we keep all three guys. Again, I don't know how they do that. Seems pretty untenable to me, but if they can figure that out, great, because Scotty Barnes is that good, man. He's just that good, and they should be trying to do everything they can to maximize the talent around him right now. The leap he's do, he, he's going through right now is basically unprecedented, and it seems like there's only more to come. In the last 10 games, dude's averaging like 25, 10, and 7 shooting 44% from three. Like there's something real happening with Scotty Barnes right now. And you can't afford to strip this whole thing down. And that might be the thing they have to do because of the corner they painted themselves into. It's really maddening stuff. What happens between now and the deadline, I think really is going to define this front office, at least this era of the front office, obviously winning the title. They have a certain level of status that they'll never be able to shake. They're incredible for doing that in Toronto of all places. But this next window here between now and February 8th, like that's the time to figure out what this thing's going to look like around Scotty, or at least get the first steps in place of how you're going to do that. And if this ends with the two of the better players in franchise history and Siakam and OG, who's like there now, he's like a top 15 Raptor of all time at this point, probably. Um, if it ends in those two guys getting shipped off for, part, you know, cents on the dollar or just uh, pieces that are not equal to what those guys are as individual players. And you have the next couple of years here of Scotty Barnes doing what Scotty Barnes is doing, but only more as, you know, 23 and 24 year olds guys tend to do. Like, you're going to be kicking yourself. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. The Scotty leap is so pronounced and so incredible that it adds, it, it, while it makes the sort of roster building questions easier to solve, it also adds more stakes to what they do decision-wise over the next five, six weeks here. It's uh, quite a thing that's happening right now and quite a, uh, a thing to navigate for the Raptors front office. But hey, man, they made their bed. They, they've made themselves their bed with the free agent stuff and the um, you know losing Fred for nothing and misreading that market and making the Yaka Pirtle trade and putting a sort of um, sense of urgency over this thing having to work. Like it's, it's tough stuff, man. It, it's, uh, it's not what you want. What you want is Scotty Barnes doing what he's doing though. And ultimately like, I go to bed feeling pretty good every night knowing Scotty Barnes is going to be around for the long haul. And hopefully his just general talent and ability kind of makes everything fall into place in some way, shape or form, whether it's with this version of the roster or something new down the line. Um, but yeah, they've got some decisions to make and they have to get them right because not maximizing what Scotty Barnes is doing right now would be a travesty, would be a total just, uh, just malfeasance on the front office's part if they go and waste what Scotty Barnes is doing right now and not put a real team around him in the coming seasons. And again, this kind of ties into the Pascal Siakam thing. Today is the 30th. 
extension time question mark like uh it's michael grange has kind of pointed out this day being sort of the deadline for an extension to be signed with pascal because of the off-season trade ramifications and all of that it's uh it's tricky stuff man like they they've got to figure this out and uh, you know i i'm on record saying i would extend pascal we saw him last night 27 5 and 5 continues to be really excellent and continues to play with scotty barnes extremely well it's the stuff around them, the supporting cast that's letting them down. It would be a damn shame if uh, the really good players were just sort of forced to split because the supporting cast that's been assembled around them is such a mess. But that might be where we're at right now. I'm spiraling. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show. We'll do that in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the best sports book there is, the number one sports book in all the land, whatever, however you want to say it. It is true of FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, things like live same-game parlays as well. Uh, lots of great things for you to peruse. And look, it's a big day. The Toronto Raptors are, at the time of recording, like six hours away from playing the Detroit Pistons, who have lost 28 games in a row. And one more loss will secure the longest multi-season losing streak in NBA history. It's a big night. The Pistons are going to be trying very hard. The Raptors are favored to win the game, not by as much as you might want. I think it's like four and a half points right now. Um, so, you know, you can do one of two things. You can go chalk and say, hey, Raptors are going to win. Let's put some money down on them. Or you can say, hey, Raptors are going to lose this game. This is a game the Raptors lose. Let's go be the happiness hedge people, put some money down on the Pistons to win. So if they do win, you feel okay about it, even though the Raptors will be, uh, you know, falling into depths of despair yet seen so far this season. Either way, go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now to kick off the NFL season or continue your NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the LockedOn Podcast Network. Okay, closing things out here with the good, the bad, and the hmm. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing I'm a little intrigued by from the Toronto Raptors' latest basketball game, which, of course, in this case, a 120-118 loss to the shorthanded Boston Celtics. Uh, man. Good. Let's find some good, huh? Uh, for me, the good in this one, Jalen McDaniels. Shout out to him, man. Getting back in the mix. Had a personal 8-0 run at one point in this game. Played 15 minutes. Um, the only guy outside of Dennis Schroeder to play double-digit minutes off the bench. Some weird rotation tinkering going on with Darko right now. Um, I would like to see maybe, you know, more Precious, a little less Chris Boucher, no, no Malachi Flynn. There's no Malachi Flynn. Is that okay? Uh, like if we could see like a Schroeder, Porter, McDaniel's, Achua group off the bench as sort of their core four, I'd be kind of all right with that. Just to see what Jalen can do. He's gotten run the last couple games here. Um, he notably looks like he's remembered somewhat how to play basketball after kind of seemingly forgetting how to play basketball for the first stretch of the season where he got plenty of opportunity for the rotation and just could not quite seize it. Um, you know, it might be that Jalen McDaniels does not do anything to build upon this game. That happens. Guys will have nice games. NBA players are good. Um, but I would be totally down to see more of it. I think he fits nicely into those lineups where the big three are playing with Dennis. You know, if you don't want Gary Trent Jr. out there because the defense is too weak, um, Jalen offers some size, maybe a little bit more offensive pop than Otto Porter Jr. offers right now. I do think Otto's like my favorite guy to play in those lineups, but obviously he's having his own issues here and there with scoring and efficiency and hitting threes and stuff like that. So 
I don't know. It's worth a shot with Jalen McDaniels. He, in theory, does a lot of what you need defensively. I think he's a smart offensive player. Nice cutter, kind of finds little pockets of space really nicely. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, he's my good from this one. Best game as a Raptor by far for Jalen McDaniels. So credit to him there. Hopefully this can continue. Maybe it won't. Probably it won't at this point. Uh, it's been a rough year for him. But if he can be a reasonable eighth or ninth man, that's huge. That just helps shape these lineups a little bit more. This was a reason I liked Jalen McDaniels at the start of the season. He fit nicely alongside the Raptors' best players as a theoretical three-point shooter who could also just kind of be a smart off-ball mover and a bit of a versatile defender. And, you know, we saw what that could look like last night as he got pretty heavy-duty late in the second half in this game. So good on Jalen McDaniels for having his best game as a Raptor. Hopefully there are many more to come. Uh, the bad from this game. So there's lots, obviously. We can get into Yaka Pirtle. We already talked about Yaka, though, so we won't really linger on that. Um, some bad bench performances, of course. But I do think the thing that stands out to me is the sort of quick dissipation of one of the more effective staple lineups the Raptors had to start the season. And that is the starters, like the, the original starters, with Dennis Schroeder in place of, or, sorry, not with Gary Trent Jr. in place of Scotty Barnes. So Dennis Gary, OG, Pascal, Yaka, Pirtle. That lineup was good for a good long stretch. And I haven't really been keeping tabs on its struggles of late, but you go and you look at the numbers last night, they were minus seven and about five minutes of action. Really, really bad stuff. Big part of that first half where they just totally got, the Celtics ran away with it early on and made it so the Raptors were playing catch up the entire night, which is typically what the Raptors are doing considering how bad they've been starting games. Um, but this lineup, for a time was a real like success story. It was crushing teams there for a sec. I think it had like a plus eight net rating at its peak. It's down now to a minus 10.8 net rating as the second most used lineup on the team behind the original, not very good starters. And that's tough. Again, Jakob Pertl, part of that lineup, as is Dennis Schroeder. No Scotty Barnes in there is tough, obviously. Um, I, I, it's just... Again, it speaks to the slow decay of all the lineups that feature Yaka Pirtle heavily. It stinks. It's not very good. It's troublesome for sure. Um, like, please, the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe, can you save the Raptors from themselves and make a deal for Yaka Pirtle or something? This is the long-term Steven Adams replacement. I don't know. Um, there are teams that could certainly use Yaka Pirtle, and there are teams where Yaka Pirtle would be better than he has been on the Toronto Raptors. But he's part of that lineup. He's part of a lot of the Raptors' worst lineups right now. And it's pretty tough to reckon with. And again, it's not because of the offense. It's because the defense just simply cannot hold up. The offense for this team right now is at a point where it's good enough. It's undeniable. It's good enough if their defense can play at the level we thought it would be at. It might just not be tenable for them. It might not be attainable. And so, uh, yeah, tough stuff. That that Dennis Gary OG Pascal Yak lineup really struggling of late, getting crushed when they're on the floor. And that's a shame because it was a pretty nice little success story for them for a hot second there. The hmm is, uh, you know, it's about tonight's game, the Pistons game. We're not dreading it at all, are we? We're feeling very good about it. Yeah. Man, they, they can't lose to the Pistons, right? Like they can't, they're, they're not that bad. Like they're, it's not even, I, they lose this game, man. I don't really have words for it, clearly. I'm kind of getting stumbled thinking about just the prospect of them losing this game to a historically bad Pistons team. You know, the Raptors, I think, for the most part, have kind of gone under the radar with their crumminess a lot this season. Yeah, the trade stuff's been out there, but I'm not seeing, like, 
you know, big diatribes written by national writers about how a bunch of an embarrassment the Toronto Raptors are or anything like that. They'll come. They'll come if they lose to the Pistons and fall to 12 and 20 on the season. Obviously, they beat the Pistons very handily last time they played. They are a better team. There's no doubt about it. They are just obviously a better basketball team. Scotty Barnes, best player on the floor. Pascal, the second best player on the floor. You know, how, how far do you got to go before Cade's the next best guy? Like third or fourth, I suppose. It's, uh, man, don't lose this game. It's not even a hmm. I, I guess my hmm is just how bad will the discourse get if they lose this game? Just how like pitchforky is the fan base going to get if they lose this game just how trigger happy could the front office get if they lose this game i don't think they're typically a very trigger happy group but we've seen in the past when things go real bad masai ojiri is not afraid to mix it up he fired Dwayne casey after winning 59 games he and like freaking out over a botched coverage of lebron freaking james in a playoff game like traded for Kawhi leonard like he's done reactive things in the past. The Rudy Gay trade was like a direct reaction to a six and 12 miserable start. Like he's done it in the past. We'll see. They lose this game. I kind of think everything's on the table, man. Just don't lose this game. I guess is what I'm saying. Don't lose to the Pistons. It would be an absolute nightmare and probably go down as the single darkest day for the Toronto Raptors since game four against the wizards like is that what we're talking about here don't lose this game okay we'll leave it there thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back again to talk about the game that hopefully they didn't lose tomorrow so keep an eye out there thank you so much for tuning in subscribing following rating rating supporting the show we're on youtube of course go subscribe there hit the notification bell never miss an episode when it goes live uh we'll be back to our regular schedule next week as well starting on tuesday and going through the week so you have that to look forward to but in the meantime uh don't lose this game. Simple as that. Just don't lose, please. Please. We'll talk to you tomorrow when hopefully they have it lost. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.